Greetings, and welcome to the Continental Drift. I'm Andy Valver. Well, I guess Ukraine winning the Eurovision Song Contest was a foregone conclusion. I wonder what the betting odds were. Kalish Orchestra were greeted ecstatically and performed, as JFK used to say, with great vigor. An odd-looking bunch, kind of like a cross between extras from the movie Road Warrior and the bar scene in Star Wars, and topped with a bass player that looked like a Rastafarian cousin it. But they sang their hearts out, and the audience loved them. Slam dunk. The other big news this week is that Finland and Sweden are inching closer to joining NATO, which means that all NATO troop deployments in the future will have a new piece of equipment as part of their standard operating materiel. Tanks? Check. Bazookas? Check. Saunas? Check. And that's not a bad thing. I remember performing in Afghanistan for Estonian troops there, and we arrived at night and went to sleep. When I woke around noon, it was already 51 degrees Celsius outside. That's 123.8 degrees Fahrenheit. It was hot. And when I went to the Estonian encampment, believe it or not, they had a sauna. I thought to myself, what, it's not hot enough for you guys? But let me tell you, when you come out from a sauna that's around 160 degrees Fahrenheit, that outside temperature of 120 seems chilly. Some good news, if it is indeed true, is that a major general who is the head of Ukraine's military intelligence said in an interview with UK's Sky News that a coup is already underway in Russia and that Putin is very ill with cancer. Hmm, couldn't happen to a nicer guy. Of course, this probably isn't true. Although there have been a couple of reports about Putin's cancer from different sources. Let's just keep a good thought. But, and there's a big but here, who takes over? And how will that affect the situation in Ukraine? What if Putin is replaced by a real nutjob who wants to go further? And if you've been paying attention to Russian media, there are some folks there who make Putin look like the voice of reason. I mean, there's a news show where people have said things like, well, a nuclear war wouldn't be bad, our enemies will die, and only we will go to heaven. There is also a guy named Morozov who is talking now about the denazification of Poland. And that would immediately involve all of NATO. And then things will get really ugly. Time to stock up the wine cellar. This past week, we of course celebrated VE Day, Victory in Europe Day, but May 9th is also a very significant day in Europe because it is Europe Day. It was on May 9th, 1950, that Robert Schumann, the French foreign minister, speaking at Salon de Horologue at the Quai d'Orsay in Paris, delivered his landmark idea proposing that France and Germany, two nations with a long and bloody history, join their coal and steel production. He said, quote, the solidarity in production thus established will make it plain that any war between France and Germany becomes not merely unthinkable, but materially impossible. So far, so good. No war for at least the last 77 years here on the continent. Let's just hope it stays that way. Which brings me to the bigger idea of Europe, and what does Europe or the European Union mean to me? Why am I such a big fan of the EU? Why do I like Europe so much? 
Growing up, Europe was a cool place. I'd been there a few times. My mother's side of the family lived in Sweden, so we spent a few summers at my grandmother's place outside of Stockholm. I was fortunate to go to boarding school in Switzerland for a year, and then there was that summer with the Boy Scouts on a small tour of Europe. And as soon as I graduated from high school, I grabbed the backpack and headed for Europe. But what was it about Europe specifically? Well, as a teenager, Europe was where Sophia Loren, Brigitte Bardot, and Julie Christie lived. Yeah, I know, Julie Christie's British, but it was over there. The Beatles were British. They qualified as European, well, until recently. I suppose I always felt more at home in Europe than in the U.S. I grew up with people who spoke with an accent. My parents had accents. All their friends had accents. They all seemed European. My mother hated her accent, but I thought it was cool. Mom didn't like drawing attention to yourself, but Mom was a beautiful woman, blonde, elegant. As a young teenager, when friends would ask me where my mom was from, I told them she was a Swedish movie star. She was certainly good-looking enough, and she spoke Swedish, as well as a few other languages. So there you go, a little post-Mother's Day tip of the cap to her. But I guess I just liked how Europe felt. I liked that you can take a train from one end of the continent to the other. I liked that women can go topless on the beach. I liked that the continent has a wonderful healthcare system. I liked that lunches last for two hours in France. I like that there are social safety nets that allow people to put their lives back together if something bad happens. I like that it is not all about money here. I like that there is a thriving middle class. I like that there are strong unions. Yes, they can be a pain in the ass sometimes, but that's life. So I like all those things, and that's why I live in Europe. And yes, I'm still waiting to meet Sophia Loren. One final item. I got a bill in the mail the other day for a recent trip to the emergency room. I won't go into detail about what it was, but let's just say there were examinations and doctors involved. The total cost to me, a staggering 19 euros and 61 cents. I mean, the gall, the absolute gall. I'm kidding, of course, but it's yet another reason why I like living in Europe. Have a great week. Thanks for giving me some of your precious time. I'm Andy Valver, and this is The Continental Drift.